Welcome to the Become Fire podcast, a ministry of the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to learn more about this community, visit them on the web at www.becomefire.faith. That's dot F-A-I-T-H. Now, here are the Friars. Hello, and welcome back to the Become Fire podcast. This is Brother Elijah, as you may have suspected. Once again, back here with Father Anthony Tinker. Hello, hello. And once again, without Father Peter Teresa. Tear. Little D- face, emoji tear. Yes. Right in the face. Yeah. Then a couple of emojis, I think. There's a lot of emotions. Yeah. Yeah. He's coming back, though. He's almost done with vacation, so we'll see him soon. Yes. And we're hoping that uh, he will be a spry, revived, energized Father Peter Teresa. Yeah, amen. Um, so, Father. So, Brother Elijah, I wanted to just, I just want to kind of talk about life today. <laughs> okay. But but in a particular way, I want to talk about friar life. Okay. Because we get some questions about, you know, what do you guys do all day? <laughs> uh, and there's there's some suspicions. Yeah. There's there's some thoughts and theories. Uh, yeah. A lot of those theories, I think, have to do with us laying around on the couch. Yeah. yeah. Just kind of doing nothing all day. But what do we do all day, Father? What is What's the life of a friar look like? Well, in my mind, that's probably what's happening. <laughs> There's dreams. What is life of fire like? Okay, well, let's give a general overview, and then we can go specific as as the people have asked questions. You can give them to me. So let me um, actually let me ask you this first, Father. I'm okay. a, a little bit amiss. First and foremost, maybe what is a friar? What's okay. a friar? You know, what's what's the difference between you know a friar and a priest? And a monk, a Franciscan. Yeah. So friar comes from Latin fraternitas. Um, so it means brother. So we're like kind of the Franciscan brothers of the Holy Spirit. Um, it means Franciscan. We follow so St. Francis and we live in fraternity. Uh, friars developed in the 1200s, kind of in the church. We have uh, the priests. Um, it's, it's a whole different kind of category, but I'm going to go with diocesan priests because I think it's going to make our clearest distinction here. Diocesan priests, uh, who are the typically your parish priests, uh, they are incarnated into a diocese and they're under a bishop. So in this diocese, Bishop Olmsted has priests who serve him in his diocese, and those are diocesan priests. Monks, there's different types of religious communities also who serve in dioceses. Sometimes they have parishes. Sometimes they're like the Mother Teresa sisters, the the sisters of missionaries of charity, and they help the poor. Um, And there's different, some do schools, and there's different things that religious communities would do. Um, Different charisms they would have. And, uh, but a monk would be a, a religious who takes a vow of stability to live in a particular monastery. So the Benedictines would be the, the biggest in the West, where there's this uh, a group of people who all live together in a monastery, and they take a vow of stability, which says, I'm going to live in this monastery the rest of my life and serve in this apostolate, whatever the apostolate of this monastery is. I grew up going to Cistercian school, or a school run by Cistercian monks. They're monks. Uh, those monks have taken a vow of stability. That means they started there, they're going to die there, and they're going to serve the apostolate, which is mostly the, the grade school, high school they have there, and also helping at the University of Dallas teaching. A friar, like the Franciscans, Dominicans, etc., are men who do not take that vow of stability, and they go forth and do a lot more missionary type of work. So we would not take a vow of stability. Instead, we would go from place to place as was needed, and uh, with monks as well. So monks would be in a monastery. Friars would be in a a province, usually, or an order of some kind where a general or provincial would determine where they're going to be assigned. So I'm not necessarily going to be in the Diocese of Phoenix the rest of my life. I might be in other, like some of our guys in the Archdiocese of Detroit. 
you know, might end up in the Diocese of Gallup one day. So there's there's different places that we can go um, to minister. And because our, our provincial or our, our, our general, uh, typically in an order, we're, we're a little different, as a, but would send you to various places or assign you to various places as it was needed by the order and the apostolates that it had. But with the intention of, you know, hopefully that our community would remain in the places that we're establishing these houses. Right, and... exactly. exactly. Not go like you go and then the, whatever you're doing, you leave. It's that you, there's, because you continue to grow, you, you continue to multiply. So you continue to run, for example, this par- the parishes down here on the River Indian Reservation and the reservations in Phoenix. But then as we get enough men, we go and send some of those out to do to care, care for other apostles to the poor, other, other reservations that need priests, et cetera. Yeah. Now, I had someone ask me the other day, are you monks or are you missionaries? And so I think, uh, you know, sometimes we'll tell people just that, that we meet on the streets, you know, uh, we're, we're monks. Uh, and we'll say that basically just because it's easier for people to kind of understand what that is. But like, you know, like you're saying, Father, technically we're friars, so right. it's different than a monk in that we're, we're going out, we're evangelizing, we're with the community. Um, and then with that, you know, that some of us, you know, we get this question a lot too, you know, um, what's a friar and what's the difference between a friar and a priest? Or is, or right. is every friar so, a priest? Then we go to the second distinction, right? So I use Dawson priest just to help who you're under, right? mm-hmm. what, what, what you could be doing. But then... So we are Franciscan friars, so we're all, every member of our community would be a Franciscan friar. Some men are also called to the priesthood. So we additionally would be priests. So it's like, what's the difference between a priest and a friar? It's like, well, that's a, that's a bad question. <laughs> it, it, the question doesn't make sense because um, all of us are friars who are in this community. If you're, you belong to a community of friars, so for example, our community, Franciscan Holy Spirit, you are a friar. Some are also priests. Um, a priest being that he has the responsibility and the call to minister the sacraments. Uh, to minister at the altar, so to celebrate the Eucharist, to celebrate confessions, to do uh, priestly ministry. Now, other men um, would feel called, might feel called to uh, live as a what's called a finally professed brother, uh, where they don't feel called to the priesthood, but they do feel called to our way of life. And we do have some men who are discerning that currently with us, where they would still be a friars, they would still live our apostolate, still do our ministry but they would not do the priestly aspect of our ministry. So we'll get to this more, what do we do? Like some of our, a lot of our ministry is priestly. So I, I have a lot of masses, a lot of funerals, a lot of anointings, a lot of confessions. Uh, a lot of my ministry is priestly, but not all of it. We help at, uh, we have a great school here, which is pre-K to eight and going. And so for example, our brothers, uh, like brother Elijah here, would go and help with the youth groups and go and visit the classrooms and help teach religious uh, the religion classes at the school and also with the religious education. You're doing Bible studies. None of these ministries uh, would require you to be ordained to do. And so a man who who is in formation towards the priesthood is not a priest yet, or a man who is, doesn't feel called to the priesthood would still be able to do these ministries, which, and not just, and uh, Father Petrus and I do some of these as well. Hmm. Uh, we do a catechetical night, um, religious, baptismal preparation programs, um, you know, helping out of the school, going to visit the kids, helping with youth groups, Taking our kids out to San Francisco, such things. So we do we do things that are not exclusively a part of that that requires the priesthood to be doing the ministry. So we're all friars, we're all doing this ministry to the poor, um, but the priest would additionally be doing the sacramental ministry as a primary focus of them. Yeah, and um, you know, even with that, that there's different communities that might be Franciscans. You know, we get a lot, are you guys the CFRs? <laughs> a lot of people think that we're the CFRs because we're wearing the gray. Um, and the gray, you know, for, for some of you who, who might wonder about why we wear gray, you know, it's, 
it's the color of penitence, it's the color of reform, um, but it's also the the original color that St. Francis wore when he was part of the the penitential movement. And I, that's kind of a, a little bit more of a, you know, background into the Franciscans that I don't know that we have a whole lot of time for, but, you know, that's why we wear the gray. Um, but also, Father, that, you know, when people ask us about our charism and, and kind of, you know, our life and our lifestyle and how we live out Franciscan life, um, we'll often tell people that we're contemplative active, um, that there's some communities that are more active, some that are more contemplative. Um, could you kind of like flush that out a little bit too? Like what's our, what's our prayer like? What do, we, what do we do during the day with prayer? And then how much time do we spend in ministry? So kind of some of the day-to-the-day stuff. Yeah, of course. So uh, we the, uh, different houses have different schedules in a community of Friars. You kind of have to accommodate your schedule to what the main apostolates are, uh, or what's a formation house, or, or uh, if it's a mainly an apost- a house of apost- that's doing an apostolate. Um, so for our house here, St. Terry uh, Tech with the Friary, we start prayer at 6 a.m. So there's a big kind of doorbell sounding thing that's internal that uh, rings at 5.45 a.m. to make sure everybody gets up if you're not up already. Uh, some guys get up before that, but you know, make sure you're up by uh, 5.45, so you're at prayer at 6 a.m. And we do the Liturgy of the Hours, which uh, if you're not familiar with the Liturgy of the Hours, uh, I do want to recommend that you at least get familiar with it. Um, I know, for my example, my parents pray the Liturgy of the Hours. They, mm-hmm. they, it's something that even lay people can do, but the priests are required to do. Um, deacons are required to do. And then oftentimes religious communities will make it a requirement from their statutes. So by virtue of orders, priests and deacons have to do it. By virtue of our statutes, our men have to do it. Um, so we uh, pray the Liturgy of the Hours, and we do what's called the uh, Office of Readings and then Morning Prayer to start the day. Um, and we do some prayers just calling down the Holy Spirit after that. So we're Francis of Holy Spirit. We do a couple of prayers just asking for the Holy Spirit, once from St. Bonaventure and once from St. Augustine, asking the Holy Spirit to be with us. And then we do a... Uh, I guess we start with the St. Michael prayer, start with the prayer of protection, a couple prayers of praying for the Holy Spirit. And then we do a prayer for um, of surrender uh, by St. Charles de Foucault, uh, just to kind of surrender our day to the Lord. Um, that's something that maybe we could get if people want more information about what we do for our kind of our morning routine, literally the hours and those particular prayers. Uh, I think it's a beautiful kind of way we start our day. And then we go and we do typically a holy hour um, from seven to eight in our church of St. John the Baptist, followed by mass at eight o'clock. Um, now Father Petrus and I have to, that's, that's that, the schedule of the house, but we, uh, help have massings at St. Peter's, which is about half hour from us. So we would go, one of us, instead of help doing the holy hour in the mass here, would drive after we did finish our morning prayers to St. Peter's and have mass for the sisters, typically at eight o'clock and then drive back. Um, and then, so that's, it's kind of even the, the, my day is different depending if I'm here or at the sisters, because if I've, my day's here. I've started with the Holy Hour and Mass, and um, and every day is a little bit different. But you kind of like, what a prayer life. I like to pray the full rosary, you know, um, through a set time of the day, so it's like an hour for that. Um, we we would stop at for daytime prayer at noon, um, and then a, ros- a rosary after that uh, for those, that's specific for our guys in formation. And then we have what's called evening prayer, so in the liturgy of the hour, we start with evening prayer at 5 p.m., followed by dinner. And then at night prayer, we do night prayer at nine o'clock. And then we do silence, grand silence from night prayer until the next morning at 6 a.m., which means we don't have conversation, um, especially casual conversation. Now, if, if there was something that was of, of importance, it has to be kind of pretty important if you want to uh, start talking during grand silence. Uh, but tip, so typically we'd ask guys to, to head down. They don't have to go to necessarily go to bed, but they'd be quiet. Um, 
And then again, so those are the things we have to, we do have to do some kind of Marian devotion. For me, it's the rosary. So I like to, to pray the rosary. Uh, our, our guys in formation also stop to pray chaplet at three o'clock. Um, I think most of our friars to do, try to do that as well. Uh, and then we, tr- we have to do some Lexio, some scripture reading. So I try to take another hour during the day to, uh, to do some scripture reading. Um, so a typical day, you know, we've got a, a couple of hours just of communal prayer. And then we're trying to do a couple hours of personal prayer as well. I think for for the majority of the friars, um, and why? Well, because our life is centered in our prayer. We're contemplative. That every all the ministry we do has to come. If you don't have any, anything to give, um, then you're 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 just you're going to drain yourself out. And how do we get? We have to go to the, the the source, to the Lord, to be refreshed, to be filled, so that we have something to give. That we have His presence, His love, um, not not by our own strength, our own power, but by His. Um, so we do have a, a full life of prayer. And then, but we're also active. We have a little ministry, and it really just depends on the day. It's hard. It's hard to say. Everybody asks, like, "What does a day look like?" It's like, well, every day is different. Um, what all is going to be included in a day typically is uh, doing some office work. Some it's boring. It's answering emails. It's responding to phone calls. Um, it's setting up funerals, such things. Um, and then there's probably going to be uh, some kind of interaction with a mission of one way or another. Uh, Yesterday, I met with some people from our San Lucie mission, but they came here and we had a meeting about the mission. I, I'll, I'll go down to St. Anthony's about once a month or so and talk about the new church we're building over there. So, a, so sometimes I'm going somewhere, sometimes people are coming here, but usually an interaction with one of the different missions of, to some capacity uh, at, you know, pretty much every day of the week. Um, and then uh, in the evenings, it, we have a, a catechetical group, we have youth group, we have um, a hobby night. So one night we're, we're really encourage healthy leisure. So unfortunately, a lot of people, their leisure is just they turn on the TV. Well, we don't have a TV and it's intentional because we want guys to do, be productive, want to be communal, um, but also to be, um, have good, healthy hobbies that when they're, you know, kind of like, um, I'm kind of done with work. I need to s- settle down. They have something that they can do. Uh, some guys work with wood. Some guys play instruments. Some guys paint or draw. Just some kind of, pr- you know, beautiful type of recreation. Um, and then we have a rec night once a week. That's on Fridays. We do some kind of recreation because we're trying to be communal. Um, and then, I mean, days can have anointings. I mean, there's, there's, sometimes you get a call. It's like, okay, well, it doesn't matter what I had scheduled. I have an anointing now. Uh, there's funerals in the morning and those usually take the morning. Uh, I did a a letter about that. What a funeral entails, but usually a couple of hours, at least a few hours. So we do a funeral and a burial. Um, so that was, that, that, that can be a morning and those happen about once a week or so we have a funeral. Um, and so that's kind of our typical, you know, it's, it's the, the ministry as it comes, you know, it's, it's not a, a nine to five in that regard. It's really a, uh, as, as the Lord opens the door, it's just, you know, you kind of say, okay, well, here's what I need to do today. Here's what I need to do tomorrow. And you kind of schedule your day as best as you can. And sometimes things come up that are unscheduled as people just come knock on the friary door, knock on the office door to, to things they need to talk to a priest or they need a food box or whatever the case may be. Uh, and then obviously we try to get that, that beautiful prayer time throughout as well. Yeah. And I mean, also just to, you know, that you and Father will have several masses during the weekends, including vigils, and that you're you're doing some homily prep for that too. So it's not just the ministry itself, but it's also the preparation for the ministry that that happens too. Yeah, so we uh, that's a great point. Is uh, you know, it's, it's sometimes you don't see the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. So we do are doing homilies pretty much every day of the week. So which means I'm taking a few minutes at least, you know, usually more to look through the readings and to pray through what the Lord wants me to preach on the next day. And obviously Sundays would be a much more extended period of time where I'm taking a big, a longer chunk of time, you know, an hour at least, and usually sometimes a couple hours 
uh, to do the readings, look through maybe some commentaries, get a sense of what the Lord's trying to ask me to pray for, then write the homily down, kind of think through it, and, and then present it. And yeah, so oftentimes a weekend, Saturday, Sunday, we'll, have, we'll do six masses. Um, we'll have a Saturday morning mass, um, or sometimes a, sat- a funeral. We often have a funeral on Saturdays and then a, and a morning mass. Uh, and then obviously we'll have the Saturday vigil mass, and then we'll do three masses on Sunday. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a it, weekends are are pretty pretty hot burn as we say. Um, which and then that's Monday. So and then Monday is our day off uh, typically. So we kind of try to do our best to um, avoid you know trying to schedule anything or do any uh, kind of uh, works so we can recreate, we can we can pray, we can sleep, we can exercise. Yeah. Guys, another thing, exercise. I guess I try to get a few days a week in an exercise. It depends on the week. You know, I, I, I can't get every day. I would love to be doing every day. I can't do every day. It's just time, the schedule won't allow it. But at least a few days a week, I try to get half hour in um, to get in and, and get some kind of, you know, run or at least some push-ups and sit-ups or some kind of exercise in for the, for because we got to take care of our temple. There's a temple Holy Spirit and we got to take care of it. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we, we, we grow in trust of one another as we prepare meals. As we make dinner for each other, right? We have we to. We do. That's another thing. It's we got to make meals, and yeah, so we, we don't have a cook. So we we do. <laughs> we each take a night, uh, you know, and so we're on about once a week or once every other week, and uh, and we're cooking for the brothers. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. So this is you know um, house jobs. Of, I guess you're you're bringing that up. We have house jobs. We have. Yep. So you're you're the house. Uh, well, I don't think you're the you're the grocery shopper anymore, but you were no, for a time the grocery no. shopper. Um, I think there was a rebellion in the house. <laughs> uh, there was somebody's a guest master, which means, you know, we don't often have guests, um, but, you know, we do have some guest rooms available. Sometimes our parents come, et cetera. They got to take care of that. We have to clean. So everybody's got different areas of the house. They're called to clean and make sure are tidy. Um, so we all, we have, yeah, kind of make sure bathroom, you have, you have your own bedroom, your own bathroom, you know, not everybody has their own bathroom, but bathrooms we share that you need, you're responsible with your bathroom mates, if you want to call them that, to, uh, to make sure it's clean. So you know, those things all just kind of take time. Yeah. So we, we are doing the a lot of the same things that other people do, but we also have our the particular friar life, particular uh, priest life, depending on if it's a friar priest. Um, and I think a lot of a lot of these things uh, kind of flow, uh, especially if you're a novice here. It's kind of they have their day very much planned out throughout the day. Um, then even, you know, up at the House of Studies, that the guys, the life there is a little bit different um, because, you know, they're, they're, they're in school. And so, you know, typically when we were up there, it would be that we would kind of plan who was going into school when and who was coming back home. So you're kind of, you know, organizing the, the carpool for the friars and uh, spending most of the day, you know, uh, at the seminary doing classes, coming home, doing homework. Um, but that we do have a kind of a prayer schedule up there, too. Um, with a much more intense bell in the morning, that thing will. Yeah, that thing will wake you up. Oh yeah, I mean there's there's been several times where I've almost fell fell out of the bed with with one of those <laughs> dings in the morning. It is it is quite the force. But uh, so um, and then in the future, you know, if if we end up having another house that's not a formation house and that's not a house of studies, you know, that that house could even have a a different kind of feel to it too. But. Um, you talked a little bit about, you kind of said this word at one point, um, the statutes. And so what are, what are the statutes? You know, what, what does that word mean? Good, good question. So, uh, we live by a rule of life and it's one of the rules of St. Francis. So uh, as brief as I can, Franciscan (laughs) history, Francis basically founded three orders. There's the first order, the second order, and the third order. Uh, the first order 
uh, t- t- is kind of divided into three parts now. It's a long history, 800-year history of Franciscanism. But they have the Capuchins, the Conventuals, and the OFMs, the Observants. And, uh, and so these three groups um, all live the first order rule. But sometimes you'll see, oftentimes, brown, you know, and they say, where the, who are the brown friars? Typically, that would be an OFM uh, observant or a, a, a Capuchin. Um, like I mentioned, I think, are either black or gray. Uh, and then there's the second order, which are the poor clares, uh, usually living a contemplative life. And then the third order, which was originally for lay people, but again, 800-year history, and now has two branches, the SFO group, which is uh, for lay people, and then the third order group, which is for us, for, for religious who want to live a religious life. But according to this third rule that Francis kind of originally wrote a letter, and it's kind of developed in 1984, so when we have this third, you know, uh, I think it's 84, uh, this third order rule, which is promulgated by John Paul II. Um, well, so that's the rule of life, but it's uh, third order has a lot of different, um, you know, the first order, there's three different branches. Why is there any branches? Like how, where do they live differently? Well, they have what are called constitutions or statutes or something, usually both, um, where it, it kind of, how do we live out the rule of life? Um, so the, the rule of life is very general and broad, but doesn't always give you very much specifics. And so then we take it and we say, okay, what specifically, how are we going to live out in our charism, these statutes of, the, uh, of, the, of, the, uh, of this rule of life. For example, I mean, we have a, a real call to um, what we feel to, to the poor, um, especially Native American peoples. And so we have this part of our statutes that we, we particularly try to live with the poor and to live with uh, or, and or Native American peoples. Um, and, uh, and, and there's different aspects of our, our way of life that we've kind of, how we do a little bit about formation, a little bit about um, kind of our governance, you know, what is who, what our government structure looks like and how do we elect and when, how often do we elect and how do we vote on things? How do we make things change, et cetera? So there's just kind of our, how we apply kind of spiritually and, uh, and just kind of in day-to-day life, the rule of life to our way of life statutes. And then we kind of have a uh, um, kind of a, a little how we live, particularly at St. Kateri Tick with the friaries. So I have, you know, for example, the, the statutes don't um, say particularly like, when a guy like what time of the day a guy has to be home by right but our house it's like you need to be home by you know i think is that what's the rule if you're home after 10 you have to inform the local minister um if you're home after midnight you have to get permission from the local minister or something things like this that, that's very that's very specific where a different house might be on, on a different schedule you know or whatever the case may be um i don't i haven't seen a guy come home after midnight in years, you know, let alone after 10 o'clock is pretty rare. It's only if we have a, a donor function or a late, like a late anointing. Like I did an anointing the other night and it was back late. But I mean, that's, it's pretty, it's pretty rare that somebody's home late. Most of late us are us. old men. Yeah, we're, we sleep a lot. <laughs> we don't sleep, we don't sleep a lot. We just have to go to bed early because we wake yeah. up early. Um, I have so many questions, Father. Come on, um, come on. So... Okay, so those are the statutes, you know, that in, in a particular way, how the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit are living out the, the third order regular, you know, Franciscan life. Um, what is a charism, in particular, a charism for a community? And how would you describe the, the charism of the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit? Good, good question. Now, I want to clarify, if I, if I can, because I get this one a lot, a lot yeah. of questions. Um, our charism has nothing to do with beards. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Though, we, thank you for all the compliments out there. It's really appreciated. By you, do not have to have a beard to be a part of our community. The Lord just blessed us. Highly recommended. Yeah. Uh, you know, we do encourage or encourage uh, a good strong beard. Uh, it's much. It's it, it's really very simple and easy, but not required. So charism has nothing to do with the beards. Just want to put it out there. 
because we definitely get a lot of those questions. Um, so a charism is, so I'll talk about there's the Franciscanism has different charisms, right? So the Franciscan way of life says, okay, there's certain things we want to emphasize. We want to have a certain kind of uh, aspect to the religious life, right? So we are all followers of Jesus Christ, but we're saying uh, we want to imitate how St. Francis followed Jesus Christ because there's a particular way in which he sold everything to go and live and work among the poor and to have this conversion of life that we want to emphasize and to be a witness to the world. We think this is so important. And so the Franciscan charisms in general are typically prayer or contemplation, fraternity, conversion of life, and poverty. So these are kind of the four things that Franciscanism tries to emphasize. Well, it's said that the different orders have different, are trying to be this light of a particular way. So the first order is supposed to be an emphasis to the world of poverty. It's supposed to live out and say, what's it like to live sin proprio, without property? Um, the second order, the poor clares who live contemplative lives, are a witness to the world of contemplation. Where the third order is called to be a witness to the world of metanoia, ongoing conversion, daily taking up your cross and following Christ. That's how we have these, and all of all Franciscan you know, orders are supposed to have all four of these charisms, and we all would say we have fraternity. Um, but there's, each of these has a specific aspect they're emphasizing. So we're, uh, in general, our charism is metanoia, convert, ongoing conversion of life. More specifically, um, we uh, are trying to, I think, try to live this life in which we are, how to, how to live this, this spirit-filled, but also traditional um, life. And uh, that's a, I think people don't really fully understand about us. Uh, and maybe we don't even fully understand about ourselves. Yes, is we have this charism to be. Well, I would I would even kind of put it incarnate flames of the Holy Spirit. Um, if if I could be so bold, that we really want to be living a living presence of the Holy Spirit on the earth today, as best as we can, a living example. Obviously, we all have the Holy Spirit through baptism, um, but we're trying to be a witness to relationship with the Holy Spirit. Right, that our relationship um, to uh, to our God, who's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We like to emphasize that this relationship with the Holy Spirit. Um, that we all want to have and, and be, and he who is poured out at Pentecost, we want to um, manifest and show how we can all have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I'll live out our baptisms. I'll live out the gift we receive through baptism, through confirmation in our day-to-day life, through our daily taking up our cross and following Christ. Um, and so if it's got the Holy Spirit, we want it. Um, and so we try to live a spirit-filled life, but also we also know that the church is the foundation of that. And then the church is, is she who bears the, the Holy Spirit. She has been, the, the, Holy, the church was born at Pentecost. And so through that, we look at the, the great tradition of the church for 2,000 years. We try to emphasize the great tradition of the church, who, who is, um, you know, through the great sacraments, has manifest, given the Holy Spirit, has passed on in a sense, uh, given the sacraments for which people receive the Holy Spirit. And then obviously there's different ways in which we, through praying for people, um, through doing uh, healing masses, et cetera, we ask for, do we try to do spirit-filled ministry? Yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes that uh, that grouping is a little confusing for people. Um, but I think a lot of times we're just, uh, you know, we do love the traditional forms in the church. We do love the traditional devotions that the church offers. Um, and it's that which kind of roots us in the church and keeps us faithful to the church and keeps us you know, as St. Francis was, a son of the church, you know, that the, the fully uh, Catholic and apostolic man, you know, as, as the breviary describes St. Francis. Um, but then also, as you're saying, that the, it's, it's the Holy Spirit working through us and, and us trying to help cultivate um, that relationship uh, for others with the Holy Spirit. Um, so trying to have both of those. Um, now, we have 
I mean, I guess we could have as long as we really wanted to, but in order to keep this to the, the same length as we've had the other podcasts, maybe if you can give like a minute or two just on the vows. Okay. What are the vows that we take? What's up with these, with these cords that we wear, yeah. with these knots? So we do wear a habit. I guess that's something we haven't emphasized. People ask a lot that we wear this habit. It's actually supposed to be in the form of a cross. So if we were, you asked us to stand and put our arms up. Uh, St. Francis, this was a garment he wore. We, he cut out a piece of cloth to kind of look like a cross and put it on. So we do wear, uh, it's called a habit that we're wearing. Ours is particularly gray. It's a sign of our consecration to the Lord, um, that we do take vows to God. Um, and then uh, the vow, we just wear a rosary and put that. We wear a rosary on our left because it's our sword. A knight would wear a sword on its left. It's our weapon. Our weapon is prayer. And asking our ladies to intercede for us and pray for us. We have a deep relationship. She's the spouse of the Holy Spirit, so we want to be um, living flames of the Holy Spirit. We have a good relationship with her. And then we have a cord that kind of put, holds our habit on, and it has three knots on it. Um, these knots stand for poverty, chastity, and obedience. Um, that, that Christ lived a poor, chaste, and humble life, and we are trying to imitate Christ. So he was poor. He was born in a manger. Right? He was not born as a wealthy king. He was born as a poor carpenter. And so we're called to live and imitate that poverty where we're trying not to own things that we don't need. We're trying to live a poor life. I'm trying to live a life in imitation of his poverty. Uh, we live chaste. You know, everybody's called to live chastity. It's a, it's a virtue we're all called to live. Our particularly is a celibate chastity where we decide not to get married for the sake of the kingdom. That just as Jesus was not married, um, which freed him to go and evangelize uh, throughout the countryside of Judea, we, we can do the same. And then obedience that Jesus was obedient to the Father even unto death. And we're called to imitate that obedience, obviously to, to God, to the church, and to our superiors, um, who we, we think speak the will of God to us, you know, by, the, by that charism, that when they ask us to do something under holy obedience, that we know it's, it's the, as long as it's not against faith and morals, we know it's the will of God. Uh, so it helps us to, to it, sometimes it's a crucifixion, though. It's a dying of our own desire, our own, own flesh. But how beautiful it is that we can imitate uh, Christ in living a poor, chaste, and obedient life. That's a vow that we all take. So a man would come in. I mean, uh, just a brief about the formation process too. A man would come in. He'd be a postulant for four months. Um, he then become a novice for a year and a half. These are for our community. These time frames can be different in different communities. Uh, the postulancy is just getting to know the community. Uh, novitiate, you receive a, a new uh, your habit. You receive a religious name, but you don't take vows and you live a life of prayer. Um, and kind of learning about the Franciscan way of life, learning about uh, our prayer, learning about our ministry in order to pray, am I called to take vows? You then, if you felt called after that time frame, you take your vows, a three-year commitment to live poverty, chastity, and obedience. And then uh, if you're studying for the priesthood, you go to seminary. If you're not, you either do pastoral work or you do some kind of study. Um, and then after that time frame, you could petition to take a lifelong commitment to poverty, chastity, and obedience, we call final vows. Um, and so then that person is saying, for the rest of my life, I wanna live in your community with these vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Okay. Well, I think, Father, that's, we, we have kind of covered a lot of ground there. Well, so yeah, hope... There's probably still more questions. Yeah, there, I'm sure. So you got to email those, but we're at least the basics because we get a lot of those questions. So if you ever have, have them or you know friends who have them, please send it around. It's like, okay, you ever know want to ask them this about what the friars? Here. Here's your answer. Yes. Who, what, uh, where, when, why we are. So Hopefully we've asked, uh, answered some of those questions. Um, and if you have more questions, you know, you could, you can post on our Facebook, uh, or you can uh, send us those questions or, or suggestions for topics. Uh, we love to hear what yeah, info at become fire.faith. Yeah. What you like to hear about or, or have us, uh, speak about or whatever it may be. But, um, 
It appears to me, Father, that we've arrived at that moment again, that pivotal yeah, moment. I guess uh, I'm just going to have to believe you. I guess our time, our time has come to, a, to an end, but yet there's just one last thing that has to be done. This last thing. Um, and so I guess since we're talking about you know Franciscan life and what it's like to be a friar, can you, Father, tell me what is the thing that you enjoy most about being a friar? Wow, okay. It's a good question. Um, it, it's that that's a kind of an overwhelming question mm. in one sense because I'm here to overwhelm you. Good. <laughs> There's a lot. It's it's a um and I, so I'm going to go, it's, I want to particularly talk about being a Franciscan, this way yeah. of life, because there's a lot to do with the priesthood yeah. that I absolutely love. And, I, and so the fact that I'm not going to say one of those things um, is not because I don't, maybe they're, they w- wouldn't be considered higher, but at the same time, I'm just going to limit it to, as our life of Franciscans, Yes. what do I particularly enjoy? Um, I mean, the fraternity. You know, it's just the, this brotherhood that, that I get to live with a group of men who all desire to be in union with God. Yeah. Who's, who's all pursuing to live a life of holiness. And it calls me on. It calls me on to live, to live a, a holy life. It calls me on to, um, to re-examine, you know, my own relationship with God and say, okay, where do I need to change? Because well, we're all calling each other on. I see you guys as an example. And then it calls me to be a witness and example to the other guys. Um, so, you know, it's hard. It's hard to, to, you know, to live with a bunch of guys uh, at times. Uh, it can be. You know, kind of don't get your own will. And especially, you know, as a priest, you have to, whether or not you want, on your day off, you want to wake up and celebrate mass. Like there's guys who need, you're going to celebrate the mass for. So you have to, that, that prayer bell rings, whether you want it to or not. And so those things can be, uh, be very difficult, but at the same time, it's a, uh, it's a real blessing to have our other men in the community in this fraternity. So yeah, probably the fraternity. Very good. Um, I would say, uh, it's very hard not to say the fraternity, but I would say, for me, I just love the contemplative aspect of religious life and, and being a Franciscan. Um, I mean, you get to live in a friary, and Jesus is just in the house with you. Yeah. It's just the most amazing thing ever. Um, you just get to walk, wake up in the morning, walk down the hall, and, and there he is. There's the Lord. So, um, well, Praise God. Amen. Uh, thank you, Father, for answering all of our questions. Of course. I hope you just feel a little bit enlightened today. I do. I do. I think I, I understand myself <laughs> what, what, what this is all about. Uh, but if you would, would you mind uh, closing us in a prayer? Yeah, we just ask. We'll do the, the great Franciscan blessing. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you and with your spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his countenance toward you and give you his peace. And may Almighty God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Become Fire podcast. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit can be found online at www.becomefire.faith. That's .f-a-i-t-h. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit are also a 501c3 charitable organization. If you feel called in any way to give financially to their mission, please go to www.becomefire.faith. That's becomefire.faith. May the Lord give you his peace. We'll see you next time.